we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We go this morning and to the book of 2 Samuel and the 15th chapter, 2 Samuel chapter number 15. We continue in our study of the life of David. If you're just joining us, perhaps, or are newer uh, to our congregation and have not been a part of this study, uh, we've been going through a very difficult period in the life of David after his sin with Bathsheba and the consequences of his sin that divided his house. Among those, of course, was the death of the child that he and Bathsheba conceived. Uh, Then, of course, there was the assault that Amnon committed against Tamar, then the murder of Amnon by uh, Absalom, his half-brother. And then Absalom, of course, fled from David and was separated from him for many years. And then finally, as we noted last week, Um, David brought, or allowed rather, uh, his son Absalom to come home, but he uh, was unwilling to forgive his son, and his son was unwilling to repent. As we noted last week, problems that are left unaddressed often become greater problems, and we see that come to fruition here in the 15th chapter in the life of of Absalom, the son of David. We'll begin reading here in verse number one. The Bible says, and it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him And said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice." And it was so that when any man came nigh to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it came to pass, after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom went to, or sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor, 
from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth and all his household after him. And the king left ten women which were concubines to keep the house. And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was afar off. And all his servants passed on beside him and all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the Gittites, six hundred men, which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. Then said the king to Ittai the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may return thou and back to thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life. Even there also will thy servant be. David said to Ittai, Go and pass over. And Ittai the Gittite passed over with all his men and with all the little ones that were with him. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron. And all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that as we have come to your, your word this morning that, that you would speak to us through it. Give us understanding. May your word speak to our hearts. We seek your aid. We seek your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is quite a story, isn't it? The son of the king rebels against the king. He conspires against him and deceives the hearts of the men of Israel and steals their hearts away. All along the process, he's been rallying an army to rebel against David. And when David hears of it, it's so late in the game that David has no other choice but to leave Jerusalem and head into the wilderness, a place that uh, he had grown very familiar with in the days that he ran from Saul. So we see here a rejected king with a rebellious son. And as he's, as he's leaving the city, there are some men who meet him. The Bible speaks of the Cherethites and the Pelethites and a group of men who were of Gath, the Gittites. Gath, of course, is a city of the Philistines. If you'll remember, Gath had a champion. His name was Goliath. And David, of course, put Goliath to death early on. These men came out to meet David and to go with David. And so David departed Jerusalem with those loyal servants who would go with him in the midst of this rebellion. 
The events of this chapter provide us with a historical narrative of the life of David, but beyond that, they provide for us a prophetic look into the life of David's greater son, the son that was promised, the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember, in, in, in I think it is in chapter 7, when David expressed his desire to build the house of the Lord, and God said to Nathan, you go tell David, I'm going to build him a house. By that, he meant not just a, a, a house, a physical dwelling place. By that, what he was speaking of was a family, a lineage, a heritage. And he promised that David would have a son, a son who would rule on the throne of Israel forever. That promised son, the son of David, is also the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we see in this chapter is the work of our Savior. As we sang earlier in the service, oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful to think of the love of Jesus. Well, as we look at it in light of this 15th chapter, it truly is marvelous and it truly is wonderful that the Lord Jesus Christ would come to this earth as a despised and rejected king, that he would go to the cross of Calvary and die on the cross, making the payment for your sin and mine so that we could receive the forgiveness of our sin and have a home with him for all eternity. He truly is a glorious savior, is he not? Now we'll note some things in this passage and I hope you'll follow along. We see, first of all, we'll see a rebellious son. That's Absalom. Then secondly, we'll see the ready servants. Uh, speaking of these men, the Gittites, these men of Gath, and also a company of priests that followed David. And then finally, we'll see the rejected king. Well, let's look first of all at the rebellious son. Who was that? Of course, that's Absalom. And we begin reading here in verse number one. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now we noted last week that Absalom was a man who was full of pride. He was praised by the people. The Bible tells us something of his appearance, that he was a very handsome man. The Bible said no blemish in him from the top of his head uh, to the bottom of his feet. He was well-loved and well-praised by the people. So he was a man who was lifted up in pride. And that is evident here in the opening verse of this chapter because Absalom, who has designs on being the king, he, he wants to look the part. And so in order to look the part, what does he do? He prepares chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now, God had already commanded that the kings of Israel were not to have a multiple number of horses, and they were not to put their trust in horses or in chariots. Those were the mechanisms that the heathen around about them trusted in. Those are the things that made their armies seem so mighty. But God said, I am going to fight your battles, not horses and not chariots. And so this rebellious son in his pride, desiring to look the part of the king, says, let's have some chariots 
and some horses and let 50 men run before me. So that's quite an impressive presentation, isn't it? Now, what's he going to do with them? Well, he's going to enter into a campaign. Look, if you would, in verse 2, we see Absalom's campaign. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. So here comes a man of Israel. And uh, this was something that happened frequently. He would come up to find the king, to come to the king and make his case known and and hope that the king uh, would intervene for him. And so Absalom began to call out to those who had come to see the king. And he brought an accusation against the king. Look in verse 3. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. In other words, this is what he's saying. Come over here and talk to me. You got a problem? I can fix it. Let me explain something to you. The king has no concern for you. He's not even appointed somebody to hear your case. Now, isn't that the tactic of the devil, by the way, who often says to us, you know, God really doesn't care about you. If God really cared about you, there there wouldn't be any difficulties in your life. There wouldn't be any troubles in your life. There wouldn't be any problems in your life. But the truth of the matter is, is that all of the difficulties that we face today are not coming to us necessarily because of God sending them to us. They come to us as a result of our rebellion against God and the sins that we've committed against him. So the accusation comes that David is not a good king and Satan uh, brings his accusation. He brought it to Eve in the garden when he said, did God say you couldn't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, that's what he said. He said, well, let me tell you, God's not good to you because God knows that if you eat that fruit, you'll become like him. You know, he's holding out on you. He's not allowing you to enjoy life. By the way, there are those in our culture who would say today, well, any restraint, any any moral responsibility that you would place on me is restricting me from being authentic and true to myself and allowing me to enjoy my life. This is a lie of the devil, the accusation. But then we see the appeal. Look in verse number four. Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. Absalom saying, look, you got problems. I know you do. And if I were in the place of being the judge, I would take care of it. It sounds like a politician, doesn't he? Well, his campaign was effective. Look in verse 5. And it was so that when any man came nigh to do to him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. His campaign is effective. His polling numbers are high. David's approval rating is low. The campaign is working. But then the campaign ratchets up a little bit, and it becomes a conspiracy. And we note how this conspiracy was carried out. Look in verse 7. And it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed 
unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. So Absalom comes to David and he lies to him. He's pretending that he's going to go to Hebron to worship God. But what he's really doing is he's going to Hebron, which is a place where God's anointed would have been anointed, to send a message to his followers that he is the king. And in order to solidify this message, look in verse 10, he sends spies throughout all the nation of Israel to rally the people. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. He's declaring himself king. He has people now spread throughout the land who are loyal to him because when they had a problem, he was there to help them solve it. And now the messengers have gone out, and they're going to blow the trumpet and rally the people and say, we've got a new king. Out with the old, in with the new. And it works. Look at verse 11. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. Now here's 200 men going with Absalom. Again, another impressive presentation. But what do we learn about these 200 men is that they didn't know what was going on. They were going in their simplicity. They knew not anything. In other words, they didn't know they were a part of Absalom's rebellion. They were just simply doing what they thought they were supposed to do. By the way, let me just say this. This characterizes our world today, does it not? People who are not necessarily involved in rebellion against God, not necessarily in, in, in involved in immorality and wickedness and criminal behavior, they're, they're, they're not out and out seeking to be evil or hurt anyone, but they are unknowingly following a rebel, the devil, deceived by him unaware of what his plan and his intentions are in this world today. And we see this type of simplicity being lived out in multiple areas of life in our world today. We see it happening. The men of Issachar, the Bible said, were men of understanding. They, they were men who discerned the times, and we're living in a world today when people are not aware of what is happening. They're not aware of spiritual conflict. They're not aware of the sinful condition of man and the destiny that awaits him, that there is an eternal destiny for those who rejected Jesus called hell. They're unaware of this. And they're deceived. And unknowingly, they become a part of the rebellion. The Bible tells us in verse 12, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor, from, this, from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. Well, he's deceived the simple. Now he's deceived the sage. The wisest counselor in all the land of Israel was this man, Ahithophel. In fact, as we're going to learn about Ahithophel, that when he gave counsel, the people esteemed Ahithophel in such a manner that they, they, they valued his counsel and, and even equated it with the wisdom of God. 
And yet Ahithophel is carried away with this deception. But why is he carried away? It's not because he's simple. It's not because he's unknowing. It's because he's bitter. Who is Ahithophel? He's the grandfather of Bathsheba. What does he want? He wants vengeance. Do you know there are people in our world today in positions of power who know better? They know better than to do and to allow what they are doing and allowing in this world, but yet they permit it. Why? Because of their bitterness, because of their sin, because of their thirst for power. And we see this rebellion led by this rebellious son, Absalom. Well, then the news comes. Look, if you would, please, in verse 13. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, arise, let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. You see, David understood that this rebellion would not only possibly lead to his death, but the death of many innocent people. So he decided to leave the city and go to a place that he knew well, the wilderness. Verse 15, and the king's servant said unto the king, behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my Lord the king shall appoint. So here we see the second thing we note here, the ready servants. There is the rebellious son and all of those who are involved in the conspiracy. But then we find the ready servants. You see, we're living in a world that is in rebellion against God. There is a campaign against him, misinformation. There is a conspiracy against him to silence the voice of his disciples and to remove his word from the public arena, to discredit him and, and to discount him and to remove him as king. That campaign and that conspiracy is underway. And that leaves you and I with a choice. Will we join the rebellion? Or will we resolve to serve him? What will you choose? Maybe this morning you're here and you've never chosen to follow him. You've never acknowledged him as your savior. You've never bowed the knee to Jesus, confessing that he's the son of God. You can't be his servant until you do that. Will you acknowledge him today? the one who came and suffered rejection, made the payment for your sin and mine, the one who went to the cross and died, and then on the third day he arose again. Are you willing to bow to him and receive him? You cannot be a servant until you do that. And then there are those who are his servants who are not willing to bear the reproach. They do not want to be identified as being out of date and out of step of the culture. They do not want to, to bear the, 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 the reproach of, of the rebellious group. And, and they are intimidated and are willing to capitulate to the culture and become whatever it is they need to become so that they don't have to have any stigma on them. 
Well, here are some men who met David along the way to the wilderness, and they were his servants in verse 15, and they were ready servants, willing to do whatsoever their Lord asked them to do. Can that be said of you today? Lord, here I am. This world hates you. This world is in rebellion against you. But I acknowledge that you are my savior. You are my king. And I am ready today to do what you want done. Well, who were they? Look in verse 18. And all his servants passed on beside him and all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from Gath passed on before the king. You say, what are these names? Who are these people? I want you to know who they are. They're foreigners. They're Philistine men. 600 from Gath, led by a man named Ittai. Look in verse 19. Then said the king to Ittai the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. David felt bad for these guys. Apparently they had just come into the land of Israel. They had just come uh, to, to seek exile there, and now they're running again. And David, he, he feels bad for them, and he appeals to them just go back to Jerusalem and, 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 and pretend to be with Absalom. I don't want anything to happen to you. Look in verse 21. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether it be in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. What a statement. It doesn't matter where you're going, David. It doesn't matter if you're ruling on the throne in Jerusalem, if you're on the run in the wilderness. It doesn't matter to us. We acknowledge you as king, and we are willing to serve you whether you're reigning or whether you're on the run. Can you say the same? Lord Jesus, I am here to serve you no matter what the world says. Do you know what the Bible says of the Lord Jesus? Isaiah said it in Isaiah 53. He said, he is despised and rejected of men. What are, what are the poll numbers of the Lord Jesus? Well, they're not high. Not the Christ of the Bible. His approval rating isn't very good right now. It never has been. Why? Because the world hates him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. John said it this way in John 1 verse 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. In John 6, he asked Peter and the disciples, will ye also go away? Because the Bible tells us that from the time of John 6 when he gave his discourse on the bread of life that many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him so he said are you going to join them are you going to turn away from me and go back too and these are the words of peter they remind me of the words of ittai the gittite he said lord to whom shall we go who else are we going to go to 
Have you ever thought about that? You know the devil, he's running a campaign against Jesus. You need to give up this Christian life. You need to just do what you want to do. You need to get in lockstep with the world. Well, let me ask you something. What, what, what promise does he have for you? Peter said, Lord, thou hast the words of eternal life. We believe and art sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you believe that? Are you sure of that? Are you willing to confess it? If so, then you're ready to become one of his servants. These Philistines were not a part of the nation of Israel. They were outsiders. They were foreigners. I want you to know that our God is a God who loves all people, not just Israelites. There's not many Jews in this auditorium today. If you are a Jew in this auditorium, God loves you. You know that. But if you're a Gentile like me, a foreigner, strangers and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, here's what I can say to you. God loves you too. And if you're ready to serve him, he's ready to receive your service. Well, there was a group of priests in that company of ready servants. In verses 24 through 29, they brought the ark of the Lord to David. Look at it, if you would, please. And lo, Zadok also and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God. And Abiathar went up unto all the people that had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if it be thus, I have no delight in thee. Behold, here am I. Let him do unto me as seemeth good unto him. What a king he was, right? He's putting himself in the hands of God. The king said also unto Zadok the priest, Art thou not a seer? Return into the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahimeaz thy son, and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until there come word from you to certify me. Zadok, therefore, and Abiathar carried the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. You see, there were the Philistines who said, we are ready to go, and we are willing to stay with you. And then there were the priests who said, we're willing to go with you, but we're also willing to go back and serve for you. And these priests would return to Jerusalem and they would be very pivotal for David because they, they would learn of the plans of Absalom and they would send news back to David to disclose Absalom's intent. They were ready servants. Are you a ready servant? Are you ready to serve your king? Well, we note thirdly, the rejected king. That's the one we serve. He's not reigning on the throne in Jerusalem in verse number 30. He's on the run in the wilderness. He's the rejected king, but his ready servants are with him. Now, what do we note about the rejected king? Look in verse 30. And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered. And he went barefoot and all the people that was with him covered every man his head. And they went up weeping 
as they went up. What a pitiful sight. Here is David, the mighty king, and he's running barefooted, head covered, in humility, weeping. What does he picture for us? He pictures for us the time when his eventual son and heir to his throne, the Lord Jesus, would in humility and shame go to the cross for you and I. This is the picture we have in verse 30. Now we note some things. First of all, David went, and the way in which he went, he went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet. He's on this mountain. He's running from his son, and I want you to know why he's there. He's there as a consequence and as a result of his own sin. Remember the words of Nathan in the 12th chapter? The sword will not depart out of your house. Well, the sword is still cutting, penetrating, and piercing. And David is on the run as a consequence of his own sin. As he traces up the course of Mount Olivet. Years later, the Lord Jesus himself would be on Mount Olivet. And he would enter into a garden in Mount Olivet called the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus would fall on his face before God with his disciples, and he would begin to pray. And this is what he prayed. By the way, this was just hours before he was crucified. He prayed this, if it be thy will, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It was at this very place in the Mount of Olivet where David was, was, was forced to flee uh, to because of his sin that Jesus came to this very mountain, not because of his sin, but because of our sin. You see, that cup that he drank was the cup of our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. And by the way, not only was it on the Mount of Olivet that he was made sin for us, but it's on the Mount of Olivet that he will return when he comes to reclaim his kingdom. He went, the rejected king. I'm glad he went and suffered rejection. Why did he suffer it? For you and I. Well, the Bible says that as he went, he wept in verse 30. He wept. As I have already noted in Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us that our Lord Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. From the Mount of Olivet, he overlooked the city of Jerusalem and he wept for it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I would have gathered you as a hen doth gather her chicks and you would not. At the tomb of Lazarus, he wept because of the consequences of sin and death. Our Lord Jesus was a weeping Savior, touched with a feeling of our infirmities, touched with the things that cause you to bring tears to your eyes. He wept on your behalf. Our rejected king went to the cross for us. He wept for us. And then as we see in verse 31, he worshiped. 
And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Now that's bad news in case you haven't figured it out. Ahithophel is David's chief counselor, most trusted advisor, and now he's betrayed him. By the way, Jesus was betrayed by his own friends. His disciple, one of his disciples, Judas, sold him for 30 pieces of silver. The religious leaders of Jerusalem, they celebrated. They thought they had him. And by the way, Absalom thought he had David, but he didn't. David is going to worship. Notice in verse 31, And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mountain, where he worshiped God. Oh, he's worshiping the Lord in the midst of his rejection. Can you do the same? When things don't go right, I've been in church most of my life. I've been around a lot of people, and I've noticed that people have a tendency to withdraw from church when trouble comes. Maybe somebody offended them or, Something didn't work out the way they anticipated. A sickness, a death, some tragedy, some trouble in the family. Listen, that's not the time to withdraw. That's the time to worship. That's the time to come into the presence of God. We don't have time to look at it this morning, but put in your margin, in your notes, Psalm 3, and read it. This is the psalm that David wrote while he fled from Absalom. This was his worship. Psalm 3. It's recorded for us. I'll just give you verse 8. This is the word of David. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. What is he praying for? He's praying for deliverance. He's praying for salvation. The enemy is pressing down on him, about to overtake him. His most trusted advisor has betrayed him. And now he's praying, oh God, turn to foolishness the counsel of Ahithophel. Now look in verse 32, would you please? And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshiped God, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. The problem, Ahithophel's turned against me. The prayer, God turned his counsel to foolishness. The provision, the moment he offered the prayer, God answered it, Hushai. Now, if you've read ahead, you know how God used Hushai to overthrow the counsel of Ahithophel. You see, there was one who perhaps could convince Absalom not to follow Ahithophel's counsel. It was Hushai. And God sent Hushai to David. I want to say this to you. God answers prayer. And at the moment we need him most, he is always there for us. So the question comes to us this morning. Are you willing to serve a rejected king? 
There's a world that's in rebellion against him. Don't be part of that rebellion. There's a conspiracy and a campaign that says, listen, he's not a good God. He's not for you. There are many who don't know any better who have been deceived by him. And there are those who do know better who still willingly follow him. Maybe today you have been embroiled in the conspiracy. And today you need to come and confess that you're a sinner and that Jesus is Lord and receive him as Savior. I invite you to do that today. Maybe you, you find yourself tempted as a believer not to want to follow the rejected king into the wilderness. Why don't you submit yourself to him? Are you a willing servant, ready to follow him, ready to say in life or in death, I'm going to dwell with you? By the way, those who have said that are dwelling with him in death today. Because after their death, they entered into his eternal life. May God help us to serve our rejected king who was willing to be rejected for you and I. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.